You're listening to L-Town Radio, the Livingston Library Podcast. Welcome, dear listener, and thank you for tuning in to the October 2023 episode of L-Town Radio, the Livingston Public Library podcast. I'm Joe from the Adult Services and Acquisitions Department, and coming up in this episode, Archana and Jessica will each tell us about some of the great programs ahead on our October calendar. Hong Mei will share a beautiful rendition of a classic Broadway song, and Jessica will highlight some of the best books headed to our shelves this month. But first, I'd like to introduce our special guest for this month's episode. Her name is Karen Trachtenberg, and she has been a resident of Livingston for nearly her entire life. She grew up here in the 50s and 60s as the child of Democratic politician Robert Peacock. She later raised her own family here, and she still lives here today, where she works as the longtime production manager of our local newspaper, the West Essex Tribune. Karen was kind enough to stop by the library and chat with me for a bit, and I hope you'll enjoy listening to her talk about her life and experiences in Livingston just as much as I did. So you've lived in Livingston for most of your life? My whole, well, my whole life, when I went away to college. I went to Boston University, mm-hmm. and I worked up there for a year. So, But other than mm-hmm. that, I've been here. Yeah, so, you, so <laughs> can you tell me what was it like, or what do you remember about childhood I, in Livingston? Right, um, I remember a lot. It was a way simpler feeling of at the time. Like I'm, so I was born in 1954. So I was, you know, kid in the late 50s and 60s, little kid. Mm -hmm. But it was like, it was like the typical small town America that you would see in a movie where Mm -hmm. all the neighbors were friends and like we would just ride our bikes all day and um, play with the neighborhood kids and. You know, and, and that was just seemed like your whole life when you were a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. And I lived next to, the, I actually lived behind the high school oh, wow. on Kimball Ave. So, and we were the last house next to the woods. So we would play in the woods and like make forts and mm-hmm. um, very creative stuff. And there was a brook, we'd go fishing and we, we you know, just, I just remember having the best time, mm-hmm. you know, here. Um, and then, you know, I had my family had, my parents had a lot of kids. I'm the oldest of six. Mm-hmm. And so I was always busy helping with them, and um, but it was just you know pretty much idyllic I, as far as I can remember. My father, um, my maiden name is Peacock. Uh, my father's Robert. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you. He, okay. was, he was very involved in politics. Yes, um, and um, so that made it a kind of a different experience than my, a lot of my friends. Yeah. So what's it like to have a, a father it so was, involved in? It was cool because it's given me and my family my brother and sister um like a conscience for um just issues that are out in the world and um he's a democrat so i totally am on that side of the aisle Mm -hmm. um i always tell people that um like i have a lot of friends that aren't and if we disagree about stuff i'm like well i can't help it i was born Mm -hmm. into this it's like in my blood um it was so cool he was um Always, even in college, went to Seton Hall. He was 
the president of his class, and then he was the president of the New Jersey Young Democrats. This is way back in the early 50s. Mm -hmm. Then he, they moved, married, moved here, and um, he was um, asked to be the candidate for Congress in the district that includes Livingston and at the time Newark. It's been changed now. Mm -hmm. So he ran for Congress when JFK was campaigning for president, and he would be with him when he would when JFK would come to New Jersey, my dad would go out with him and mm -hmm. I never met JFK but my dad had a lot of pictures with him and mm -hmm. and then he always, you know, that was exciting kinda. Even though I was little, I didn't quite get it. I was right. maybe like six, but um and then he didn't win that election because at the time the district was very Republican, mm -hmm. very much like conservative. It's changed now, like Essex County's changed a lot, but back then mm -hmm. it was different. So then he ran two years later. He lost again, became very close, like, and he did well for a Democrat in, in any um, case. I mean, he did he did well, but he lost. But then he just totally was involved in campaigns for people, and we'd have, like, senators at our house sometimes, mm -hmm. like Bill Bradley and oh, wow. Harrison Williams, who later became, like, a, you know, got in trouble. And, mm -hmm. um, he just was very active in, in social change and stuff, like, he would go to Washington and um, be asked to testify about certain bills in Congress and mm -hmm. he was a banker too that was what he did for his job but it was just really cool like once we had a, um, like a campaign event at our house for the governor at the time was running Governor Hughes mm -hmm. back in the 60s and the governor came in the like the state helicopter you know the state trooper one it landed oh, yeah, on the yeah. oval oh, wow. and it was so cool like <laughs> we went to meet him and he got out of the helicopter and then we drove him to our house and we had this campaign thing so that part was really different than my friends, but it was right. fun to be a part of it. Yeah. But it totally gave me and my other brothers and sisters, more my me and my sister, I think, a total like social conscience and realize how important politics can be. Like a lot of people hate the word, they hate politicians, and they and I always took offense to that because I'm like, but there's good people out there. Like right. you can't. To say that's generally all bad like and I didn't think they really understood it the way I did either mm -hmm. but um, yeah it's, it's kind of easy to if you're if you're outside of that world because it's kind of easy to just you know say right. they're corrupt they're, or they're all the same but when, you, when you actually know the people yeah. I can imagine right yeah. and so I'm still you know um, I, I in, in town was asked to run for the county committee which is a very low level thing but each count each limits as each district you know, by streets has a county committee rep mm -hmm. um, for their party. So I that was in like the eighties, I guess. I did that, mm -hmm. um, and I won that, which was kind of fun. Like I didn't think I would. I just mm -hmm. thought, okay, they just asked me to do this, but it was so low level. But it was still kind of cool, mm -hmm. you know, to, to have to campaign, and even though you know, like very small scale. Um, and now my sister Donna lives in Marstown. Mars Township. She's on the town council. She was just elected to the town, they call it town committee mm -hmm. up there. So, and she's loving that. And that's, you know, nice to see that she's contributing. I just wish my dad was alive to see that, mm -hmm. that, you know, she is doing that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that kind of shapes, I think, everything about, well, you know, something when you are a child that you're exposed to, I think it, it shapes how I look at the world and um, you know, I can tell it's a lot to do with his, you know, what he did when he was a young man and stuff. And it's, um, it's kind of, it's just cool, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you said um, earlier you went to school in, in college in Boston. Yes. And what did you study there? Art. Art. I'm an artist. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yes. I know you're, you're involved in the production. Right. I'm the, the production manager, mm-hmm. which means that I, um, I'm in charge of like the layout of the pages and making sure everything's where it's supposed to be and mm-hmm. um, the photographs that go in. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not in editorial, but we have, sometimes we'll make pages, so I have to um, place, you know, the words next to the pictures and figure out how it's going to work best and yeah. stuff. And do you ever, you read the tip? Oh, sure, sure. Okay, so you mm-hmm. know the top banner, there's always a picture, that's what, that's what mm-hmm. I always do that every week. That, mm-hmm. I don't always take it, sometimes I do, mm-hmm. but I pick what's going to go up there. Oh, cool. Which is so fun. I love that. That's why yeah. I'm, I've been there almost 30 years. I'm a lot of, most of my friends are retired, but I, I'm not interested in that because I yeah. love my job, you know? Yeah. So when you, when you went to school for art, um, what did you have in mind? Did you want to do illustration or something? Well, I love painting, yeah. and I still paint and um, drawing. And the thing was, at the time, it, everybody said, you can't ma- if you major in painting, you'll never get a real job, and it'll be such a struggle. Mm-hmm. Major in graphic design. It's much more marketable. And I listen to that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I regret it because I would have liked to study painting more in depth. I mean, you still had to take painting, but not the whole time. Right. You know? So um, I did graphics, which, you know, it, it, it was fun. And I do it at work every day, and I have a job. And I learned how to do um, film, like develop. We had to take photography, develop film, print, mm-hmm. which I used to do in the beginning at the Tribune. We had a dark room, and we did all our own, you know, developing and printing. And that was a big process, especially when, like, there's a holiday, like Memorial Day, when there's, like, a million events oh, in Livingston. Yeah. We'd get, like, 15 rolls of film, and um, I'd always have to go in, like, late on Memorial Day, develop all the film and have it ready the next morning to make contact sheets and then go over those. And the editors pick what they want, and then you make the prints, it, you mm-hmm. know. Computers really makes that a lot Yeah, I was, I was about to say, I imagine it, it's a little bit uh, easier it's these so days. Easier. But is, is there anything you miss about oh, the totally old analog days? I love that, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, we used to paste up the pages in the... Um, have you ever been to, into the Tribune office? No, I haven't. You should come because mm-hmm. I can show you downstairs where I work. Um, there's still the tables where we did... They, they call it pasting up the old school way. So you had a big sheet of paper and then you print out the words the articles and you have to cut them into columns and use this wax stuff and then paste it down. The reason it was wax is because it was easy to pick it up and move it if you had to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to make the photos. Once you did all the printing, then you had to make it into a photostat, which was another whole machine and a process. So it was all these steps. Mm-hmm. Then it was like a puzzle, like you'd put it together. And we had like five people, like the editor, would, Kid Cone, would come down and make pages. The uh, Nancy Diner was like the managing editor. She, we'd all be on Tuesdays. That was our job. And we'd stay till like 10 at night to finish. Oh, wow. It was really, that's how it began to feel like a family, like, mm-hmm. because we'd all have dinner together, you know, because we were going to be there late. And, right. and um, but it was very more tedious than obviously mm-hmm. a computer. Like, so when we had to learn the programs, we all had to take, you know, some courses in Photoshop and in design, we use. I don't know if you use that program. I've used it before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what we do with most of make the pages in InDesign, and then you have to make them into PDFs to go to the printer. Where we used yeah. to have to, somebody would drive up the pa- the physical pages in a big box on Tuesday night up to Denville, where our, we had the paper printed, mm-hmm. and um, so it was all manual, you know. And now that printer's not even there anymore. It's like kind of oh, sad. Wow. 
I miss the, um, I love the darkroom though. I love developing. Did you ever do that? Like if you... Yeah, I, so I, I majored in film oh, undergrad wow. and, uh, and this was back in the 90s. So it, we still hadn't quite made that transition to digital. So I yes, had some, so you started yeah, doing, yeah. and um, so obviously you took photography too. Then. Mm -hmm. So don't, I, I mean, I just love the whole feeling of when you're watching it come up in the chemicals and yeah. you see the image. It's like, yeah, oh, it's so God. cool. It is so cool. And that's not that, you don't do that anymore. I know, yeah. I mean, you I, you can. I could, you could still get up a dark room in your house yeah. or something, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, so it's all digital at the Tribune all now. All digital, yeah. yeah. But any more 10 o'clock nights? Or, not uh, yeah. often. <laughs> okay. Maybe once a year. Like two weeks ago mm -hmm. was almost a 10 o'clock oh, night. Wow. Uh, a few times a year we do a total market coverage edition, which, um, and the library puts stuff in that often, mm -hmm. you know, which is great. Um, the whole town gets the paper for free, even if you don't subscribe, and all the businesses get it with the hope that they'll, somebody who doesn't know about it will say, oh wow, I should get this, or they'll yeah. say, I should put my ad in here. So we get a lot more um, customers that want to be in it, mm -hmm. so it's way bigger than, it was, it was like 44 pages last week. Oh, wow. In a paper is usually not that big, yeah. so it takes way longer. So, the, but you know what? It's almost fun when you have to stay late. It was the thing I liked about the job was when I first started at Tribune. You realize you're all there. It's like a cycle. It's Mondays you start out, Tuesdays like crazy. Everything's like a deadline. Mm -hmm. it, at that time, it had to be out by Tuesday night. It, the deadlines change now because it's computerized, mm -hmm. but. And you were all doing the same for the same reason and helping each other. And it was like a team and a family. And mm -hmm. I love that part. You know, everybody was is friends and they were then. And, you know, it it's just, it is totally like a family there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I miss sometimes knowing we'd have dinner, like every Tuesday night. When my kids are little, my husband was like on his own with the kids at making the meal or order, probably ordering the meal, mm -hmm. you know. So... It was just a, a great experience that I'm really glad I ever, I answered an ad in the Tribune. They needed a part-time darkroom assistant. Mm -hmm. And I kind of needed a job at the time. And Was this, how long after college was this? Um, it was maybe like, let's see, pretty, like 10 years maybe. Okay. Um, and had you you'd been living in Livingston that, after graduation? I, yeah, I stayed up in Boston for a year and worked in, Ad agency okay. up there, which was really fun, and I had a roommate who I loved, but then she moved to Texas, and then I couldn't really afford the rent by myself, and mm -hmm. so I just came home, mm -hmm. and I got, um, I don't even remember what I, I worked at a printing press, which was another good job. That's another good way to learn the newspaper business, to work where they print it, mm -hmm. too, and see what goes into that, which is such, so interesting, mm -hmm. you know? And then um, I saw that ad, and it was for part-time, and I had two young kids, so I thought, I'll go see what it's about. I never thought I'd get the job. I was like, I had no confidence, mm -hmm. and um, but I did. And from there, that was like maybe one and a half days a week after the person who was doing what my job was moved on. Then I got her job, and, mm -hmm. and I've been there, and it's just been a great, great place to be, you know. We'll have more of my conversation with Karen Trachtenberg in just a moment. But first, let's take a short break and hear about some of the great programs we have scheduled on our October calendar, starting with our Head of Adult Services and Acquisitions Department, Jessica. 
The start of October brings new programs and a return of old favorites as we enter fall. This fall, you can look forward to the return of our Hooks and Needles Drop-In Crocheting, Knitting, and Needlepoint group. Meeting on the first Friday of October at 2 o'clock and the third Thursday of October at 7 o'clock, participants are invited to drop into the library bringing whatever project they're working on. You could meet other people who have the same interests, learn some tips and tricks from each other, and get a head start on your fall projects. This group meets in the tech room, which is behind the reference desk in the library, and we hope to see you there. See you later. Bye. Thanks so much, Jessica. And now to tell us about even more great programs we have coming up, here is Archana. Hello, listeners. Wishing all of you a happy, healthy, and fun-filled fall a season marked by the colorful changing of leaves, cozy sweaters, and of course, another slew of engaging library programs. I'm happy to share with you some program highlights for October for our adult patrons. I will begin by highlighting two daytime programs. <clears throat> Breast Cancer Awareness Month, held in October every year, aims to promote screening and prevention of the disease, which affects one in eight women in the United States and 2.3 million women worldwide every year. Although much more common in women, breast cancer affects men too. Through research, growing knowledge about breast cancer has led to new therapies and targeted treatments that improve outcomes for many people. On October 11th at 2 p.m., join Dr. Sarah Schaefer in a community health presentation on breast health. She will give an overview of statistics related to breast cancer and discuss causes, symptoms, screening and diagnostic tools, treatment options, risk factors, and prevention. Sarah Schaefer is a board-certified breast surgeon with the Center for Breast Health and Disease Management and a member of Barnabas Health Medical Group, and this program requires registration. Then on October 18th at 2 p.m., we present on another important topic, Understanding and Navigating Medicare. Do you find Medicare, the federal health insurance program for people over 65, hard to understand and complex to navigate? Do you wonder if you should enroll in Medicare at 65 if you're still working? What about disability and Medicare? To learn more and get answers to your questions, join us for an overview presentation by financial professional Fred Sicone, who will help familiarize you with the nature of Medicare, understand its complexities, especially since the system has undergone changes in the last few years, and show you how to get the best value for your money. This session is helpful to those who are approaching Medicare age and to those already enrolled in the system. Next, I will talk of a couple of programs in our evening lineup, both of which feature rather dark and grim themes appropriate for October. Are you interested in finding out about outrageous incidents and dubious occurrences that are part of New York City's past? If so, join this presentation by Art and Susan Zuckerman on Monday, October 16th at 7 p.m., entitled Murder, Mayhem and Scandals in New York City. You will learn about being tarred and feathered, shot by the black hand in Little Italy, and being caught in a great fire or ravishing flood. You will also participate in riots, attend some fascinating trials, and encounter some of the most unsavory characters who ever lived in New York City. Of course, this doesn't count meeting all the ghosts that haunt the city. Don't worry, it isn't as gory as it sounds. Next, far from being scary, spooky places, 
New Jersey's historical burial grounds are treasure troves of information for historians, genealogists, archaeologists, and art historians. On the evening of Monday, October 30th at 7 p.m., join this richly illustrated presentation by Speaker Richard White as he examines New Jersey's historic cemeteries from High Point to Cape May. It provides a chronological overview of New Jersey's historic burial places from the colonial period to the present. Exceptional examples of colonial Victorian and modern memorials are all presented and discussed. Audiences will leave with a new appreciation of grave markers and burial places as important sources of information about local history. Richard White is the Associate Dean of the Wayne D. Murray School of Humanities and Social Sciences and the Professor of Anthropology at Monmouth University. We sure hope to see you at these and all our other presentations in October. Thank you very much. Thank you, Archana. And now let's return to my conversation with Karen Trachtenberg of the West Essex Tribune. So uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you is, have you ever thought about, um, is there, are there ways in which working for a town's local newspaper kind of changed the way you see the town or? That's a great question. your perspective in any Very way? good question. Yeah. Yes, um, I totally learned so much more about what each like facet of the township does um, because my boss, Kit Cohn at the time, he's um, he was very much into t- going out and covering everything. Like even when they were like fixing a water main, he mm-hmm. I'd have to go out take a picture and learn. Oh my God, I didn't ever really know what these guys do, and they were like really nice. But first, when you first start doing that, they're like, "Why are you standing on the camera?" Like, <laughs> I didn't have it like a name tag or anything. I, yeah. I felt like so. I was like, I was kind of shy, or and I was like. Yeah. Oh my God, they probably don't want me here. But you learned that once you told them who you were, they were so welcoming. And then same thing with the police. You know, I didn't know many of them, but I'd have to go to like, I'd take mostly to take pictures at events. I didn't do a lot of the accident photographs, thank God. Oh, yeah. Somebody, they would send somebody else. I, that's a horrible thing, but it's oh, like, I can imagine. it is news too. Right. Like, but I didn't do those, thank God. And then, but we have, so many people contribute, like, People on the first aid squad are, will take a photo at something, not not a horrible photo, but of something that happened and then send it to us or the fire department. <clears throat> you know, will send us, there was one last week of a fire they were called to in Milburn, mm-hmm. like for mutual aid. And so they will help us too. And then you get to know who there you can call when you need, like if, if you need a photo or do you have anything or they'll, you know, they they're all, it was just, learning about how all these departments work and um and then so one time this is funny jenny did you ever meet my boss jenny uh no I jenny chuck Mm-mm. um she's a publisher she's the daughter of kit Cohn, who was oh, okay. the previous um publisher so this woman it was the winter and there was a lot of snow on the ground and it was freezing and she lived over right behind um seymour's in that neighborhood oh i don't know what street that was but her cat was stuck in a tree oh, no. and it was like stuck up there for a long time and I think the fire department couldn't rescue it or didn't I don't know if, if they don't do that or something I'm not sure mm-hmm. I mean there's probably a limit to what they can yeah, yeah. do right? which I don't blame them <laughs> sure. well Jenny was like this avid cat and animal lover she goes why don't we go see if we can help that lady and I'm like mm. 
well, what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> well, we literally, my husband had a big one of those ladders, like a, um, that, what is it called, that you can push up higher. Oh, yeah, I don't know what they're you called, know, but they extender. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he came and brought the ladder over, and then we, she, we were, she goes, I'm going to climb up and try to get it to come to me. I was like, but, and we were on snow and it was icy, like, oh. and it was like dangerous. Oof. I can't believe we did it, yeah. but we did. <laughs> and we tried and tried. I would, I was standing at the bottom just to spot her. Like I didn't climb up. She climbed up. Mm-hmm. The cat was just, must've been scared. It was just on this branch and it wouldn't move. And, um, it, there was a window. She, the woman must have had a window open that it climbed out. Mm-hmm. And so we just tried for like an hour and a half. Couldn't do it. And so we, you know, we told her we're really sorry. She was like, I think a mm-hmm. little old woman, like widow, and yeah. was her best friend. So she, we said, just leave the window open, and mm-hmm. hopefully on its own it'll go in. But it hadn't gone in for a long time. Mm-hmm. About an hour later, she called, said it came in. Oh, good. So maybe it got scared of us. It's like, yeah. I gotta get back in there because these people are weird. But I mean, that was just a small town thing that that I thought was so uh, nice, you know, yeah. to, to do. It was really Jenny's idea, but. To be part of, yeah, and that's what I've learned. Like, I've met the most wonderful people. Like the um, Chinese School Association, I go to their um, annual. They do a show of their at the Heritage. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it hadn't been held because of COVID for a while, but it's this amazing um, show. They do dance and singing and uh, of the kids at the school, and I met all these people there that I've learned so much about the culture that I didn't know and I wouldn't have had I not worked at the paper. Right. And there's um, Sanskriti is the Indian American Association, the same kind of thing. They have school, they have all these, um, you know, shows and events and I met all these people, wonderful people through that. And this one while ago, this guy was, um, he's moved to like Massachusetts. Um, I can't remember his name. He was so nice. He was like the head of that group. And after one of the events, he's, he he knew I was so interested in it. They have these amazing dances for their holidays. And um, one was at the Y, and all the women were those gorgeous saris, and the men wear these beautiful suits, and they very traditional, and it's so beautiful. And I just never would have ever had, I probably wouldn't have been exposed to that. You know, I mean, if someone asked me, I would have gone. It wasn't like, but I, I didn't have that opportunity until this. Well, anyway, this gentleman once said, you know, have you ever had real Indian food? And I'm like, not really. Like, I've, I've had some, but he goes, well, we're going to take you to an authentic Indian restaurant and explain mm-hmm. everything. And we did for lunch one day. Uh-huh. And it was awesome. Like, mm-hmm. how cool is that? I didn't, he taught me stuff I didn't know about the rice, like in India. Unfortunately, the old way, they had the caste system. So the lower caste got like the shortest rice and the higher up you were, you got the longer. That was like considered better. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, that's just a silly fact, but not right. silly, but I never learn. I love learning stuff like that about cultures. And that's what the Tribune has brought to me is stuff like that. Yeah. Which I'm so enriched by, I think, mm-hmm. you know. We'll hear the rest of my conversation with Karen Trachtenberg in just a moment. But first, we'll hear from Hong Mei to share a beautiful rendition of a classic Broadway tune. Today, we're going to enjoy a piece of very touching music called Memory. 
It is a show tune from the 1981 musical Cats. It is sung by the character Grizabella as a melancholic remembrance of her glamorous past, and as a plea for acceptance. Cello played by Hausa. You hung me again. That was the song "Memory," originally from the Broadway show Cats, performed on the cello by Hauser H A U S E R. And now, before we hear the rest of my chat with Karen Trachtenberg of the West Essex Tribune, let's hear from Jessica once more to tell us about what great books we can expect to see on our shelves in October. Are you as excited for the new books coming to our library shelves as we are? Below is a list of what titles you can look forward to borrowing this October from the Livingston Library. Please note that descriptions are taken from the publisher. Going Infinite, The Rise and Fall of the New Tycoon by Michael Lewis, October 3rd. Both psychological portrait and financial roller coaster ride, Going Infinite is Michael Lewis at the top of his game tracing the mind-bending trajectory of a character who never liked the rules and was allowed to live by his own until it all came undone. My Darling Girl by Jennifer McMahon, October 3rd. The New York Times bestselling author of The Otherworldly Treat, The Drowning Kind, and The Children on the Hill returns with a spine-tingling psychological thriller about a woman who, after taking in her dying alcoholic mother, begins to suspect demonic possession is haunting her family. The Leftover Woman by Jean Kwok, October 10th. Jasmine Yang arrives in New York City from her rural Chinese village without money or family support, fleeing and controlling husband on a desperate search for the daughter who was taken from her at birth, another female casualty of China's controversial one-child policy. But with her husband on her trail, the clock is ticking, and she's forced to make increasingly risky decisions if she ever hopes to be reunited with her daughter. The Burnout by Sophie Kinesella, October 10th. Sparks fly in this delightful novel about two burned-out professionals who meet at a ramshackle resort on the British seaside, from the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Party Crasher. The Exchange by John Grisham, October 17th. The number one New York Times bestselling author John Grisham delivers high-flying international suspense in a stunning new legal thriller that marks the return of Mitch McDeer, the brilliant hero of the firm. Let Us Descend by Jasmine Ward, October 24th. From Jasmine Ward, 
the two-time National Book Award winner, youngest winner of the Library of Congress Prize for Fiction, and MacArthur Fellow, comes a haunting masterpiece sure to be an instant classic about an enslaved girl in the years before the Civil War. Dirty 30 by Janet Ivanovich, October 31st. The number one New York Times bestselling author, Janet Ivanovich, is in top form as she sends Stephanie Plum on the trail of a stolen cache of dirty diamonds. People to Follow by Olivia Worley, October 31st. In Olivia Worley's pitch-perfect debut, People to Follow, 10 teen influencers come to a remote island to star in a reality show. But when one of them winds up dead, they realize that this time the price of getting canceled could be their lives. Which of these books are you looking forward to reading the most? We can't wait to see you at the library. Hope to see you soon. Bye. Thanks as always, Jessica. And now here's the conclusion of my chat with Karen Trachtenberg. Are there any ways you've noticed, either for better or for worse, um, how has Livingston changed, like its character, from the 50s and 60s Um, until today? Yeah, definitely. Well, generally, like, life has changed for everyone, but it, it, Mm. it, well, first of all, there's more people that, it got bigger, you know, more developments Mm. and, um, so it's a little more congested mm-hmm. than it was. Um, when my kids were in school, I didn't see a major difference that much between what my experience was when, in elementary school and theirs. You know, um, it's more diverse, which I think is great because mm-hmm. that my kids all have many diverse friends that we didn't have that opportunity until I went to college, right. and, and I'm, I was so grateful for that opportunity mm-hmm. in college. To know other kinds of people, then mm-hmm. it was it was back then pretty much like a white bread suburbia, mm-hmm. um, and that's not all bad, but it can it, it needs more than that. Yeah, it's nice to have absolutely diversity. Yeah, and so I would say that's a big difference right yeah. now. You know, the people some people complain about you know people being um, like not that nice here, like from other towns mm-hmm. that I know they'll go, but you know. I don't know if that happens everywhere. I I think just some people aren't nice everywhere you go. It doesn't mean it's yeah. characteristic of one town. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I I, I grew up on Long Island mm-hmm. until I went to college. After that, I lived in New York City for oh, nice. about 18 years before oh, cool. I moved here. And mm-hmm. yeah, I would, say, I, I would say, if anything, people in Livingston seem to be nicer overall. You know, there's... Right, right. Yeah, especially know. compared to New York City. But. Well, yeah, my son lived there too for like oh. eleven years, and, and I know he he became like like more of a New Yorker, and I used to be like <laughs> like we'd walk somewhere, and he would walk so far ahead of us, so fast. Yeah. Like, Chris, what are you doing? Like I can't keep up with you. <laughs> but you know, like that's just you sort of go on your own way in the city, and it's. But I love the city too. I'm I'm so glad we're so close to the city. Mm-hmm. That was another thing about Livingston I loved. Be able to get into the city for all the, you know stuff I used to love to you know get mm-hmm. to do when I was I still try but it's it's not as easy when you get older kind of for mm-hmm. me anyway. Yeah. What were some of the things you used to love to to go um, to the city for? Well, my very good friend Stacy, who's from here, she loved to shop, and her father worked in New York City, so she um, and very adventurous person. So she, when we were thirteen, we would take the bus from like right outside South Livingston Ave to Port Authority and we'd walk around um, and go shopping all the little shops at the time in the 70s so mm-hmm. it was like a lot of hippie stuff right. and, um, that you never would see here so it was like such a different 
culture to get to go into city. Now, people now say to me, first of all, I can't believe your parents let you do that. Mine mm-hmm. would have never let me, which I'm glad they let me, though. Yeah. It seemed safer then. Like, I'm not sure I would have let my daughter, I don't know, maybe at 13, do that. But mm-hmm. we did it, and we were fine, thank God. And um, we go to museums, like I love art museums. You know, we go to the Met and the uh, Modern and just it parks. Like, the city is, like, incredible. So, you know, I love it. Um not with her so much, but with then my parents also brought us to like Broadway shows sometimes, so we got to get involved and see shows and how amazing that is, mm-hmm. which is great, you know. And and then my family's super into sports, so mm-hmm. um, we go to Ranger games, and I love hockey. My brothers all play hockey. That's a huge part of the Peacock family is mm-hmm. ice hockey, um, and that was fun. I mean, I loved watching Rangers. Um, but I just feel like I lived in Boston, which is a city. I love cities. I, I you know, feel very at home there. Mm-hmm. And so I love to be able to get to New York in like under an hour and do stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you've been very generous with your time. I won't take up too much of it. Um, before we go, one thing I wanted to ask since we're a library podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, do you read much? Are there any books that you would recommend to listeners, or not books like maybe movies that you've seen more, recently? I do read mm-hmm. mostly novels. You know, mm-hmm. um, have you read any good novels recently? What's the last one I've just? Oh, the, oh, well, actually, this wasn't a novel. It was like the two doctor. I can't remember their names. It, it was a true story about two doctors in North Carolina. Um, they were not related, but they had the same last name. It's like the two Dr. Gilberts, maybe. Okay. And one is older, and he ends up murdering his father. Oh, my gosh. And then the other one lives, he's the younger doctor, and he's in the same town. And people think they're related, but they're not. But it's very interesting um, about why that happened and how this younger guy got involved in figuring it out and, and stuff like that. My colleague at work, she's the best. She comes here all the time. She reads only nonfiction, mm-hmm. and she'll bring books in all the time and give them to me and, or she'll get them she, she doesn't live in Limpton, but she get she uses the library mm-hmm. she'll come and get one here and then tell me you got to read this um but at the moment i'm i'm not reading anything i'm super into movies and like netflix series and stuff like that have you watched anything good that you'd recommend it's funny right now we're watching suits which had oh. been on regular tv mm-hmm. and i never i might have watched one and didn't get into it and forgot about it and then it was re-released on netflix and because of the writer's strike there's been hardly any new stuff on right so people started saying oh you should watch this and we started watching now it's like addicting <laughs> so that's pretty good cool. but i love all the british series that's probably my favorite mm-hmm. broad church i don't know if you've seen that oh yeah i've seen i've oh, seen the it. early episodes but broad i haven't church yeah. is so good yeah. um and then there's like happy valley mm-hmm. they're they just have a different well you were into film right i mean you majored in that yeah you i don't know if you can explain it to me but the british do just a different vibe about how they film stuff and do their programs i just oh yeah absolutely and a lot of it is amazing i just mm-hmm. find it i don't know what the difference is between you know yeah i can't quite put my finger on it it's you know it's um not not that it they seem to take themselves more seriously because they do a funny right. stuff yes they do a lot of it seems stuff. it just seems to have a lot more gravity i feel right. like yeah. it, and they get and it ha- you can tell every time i watch one like 
you can see it, you know, mm -hmm. not that there's not that here, There's, but maybe there seems like there's more yeah. of that gravity and like I like that part of the watching the shows. So, yeah, um, mm -hmm. I love the British, a lot of mysteries are good and thrillers. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are my probably favorite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much oh, for being sure. here. It was, such a, it was so great to meet you. Really nice to meet you. And I definitely, you. I'd love to come down the Tribune office sometime yes, totally. and see how it works. By the way, the book that Karen was talking about a moment ago is called The Other Dr. Gilmer, which is written by Benjamin Gilmer, G-I-L-M-E-R. And if you're as curious as I am to learn more about this highly intriguing story, we do have the book in our print collection here at the Livingston Library. That's all the time we have for this episode of L-Town Radio. Once again, I'd love to thank this month's special guest, Karen Trachtenberg, for taking the time to be on the show and for being such a great pleasure to speak with. Thanks also to Archana, Jessica, and Hong Mei for your contributions. And of course, thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. I hope you'll tune in again next month. Remember, you can listen to and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can read our daily blog at livingstonlibrary.org slash blog which of course is part of our website, livingstonlibrary.org, where you can go to search our catalog, browse our events calendar, or use many of our digital resources 24 hours a day. Of course, we're open seven days a week for all your librarying needs, so I hope you'll also come down and see us in person as well. Until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.